And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello, everybody. Welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 328. We're coming at you, as always, from beautiful Chicago, Illinois. My name is Tom Harris. Welcome along to the show, and welcome to fall. Officially fall next week, I guess, but, you know, it's already feeling a little bit more fall-y here in Chicago. Um, We had some pretty hot days here, but, you know, there's just that hint of cooler days to come, and I, for one, am really, really looking forward to it. Jeez. Anyway, um, anyway, welcome along to the show. And uh, this week, of course, we are going to be continuing on with our coverage of uh, the Mighty Thor 2016 series, the Girl Thor series. And yeah, I don't have a lot to talk about here at the top, so let's just go ahead and move along to our review. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard. Indeed. And uh, before we get started this week, I just want to shout out a, a one of our loyal listeners, longtime friend of the show, uh, Manuel Carmona, because he and his wife just had a new little son. And uh, that's very exciting. Now, Manuel, you should have named him after the show somehow. You know, that, I mean, that, that just makes sense, right? <laughs> anyway, big congratulations go out to the, the Carmonas on their new arrival. And yeah, so let's just get right into the review. So this week we are covering The Mighty Thor number 10. This, of course, is the uh, the Girl Thor series, and we uh, open up with a cover by Russ Dowderman and Matthew Wilson, and we got some cover dialogue for the first time in what, forever? I don't remember the last time we had cover dialogue on this show. But anyway, uh, it shows uh, Girl Thor, and she is standing in the middle of a circle of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, and they all have guns pulled on her, and they're pointing them to her, and uh, one of them is saying... Drop the hammer, Jane Foster. You're under arrest. And uh, yeah, so on the first page, we open up the story in the the realm of Alfheim. Now, remember that uh, Alfheim has been taken over by Malekith and the Dark Elves. But uh, one of the Dark Elves seems to be on the receiving end of some chicanery here. Um, So we're in a um, kind of a fungus forest and there's these big mushrooms and things. Uh, big flowers, and it just looks very elfy. And in the middle, there's a dark elf. I don't know if it's a soldier. I'm not really know. It's a dark elf, and he's chained to the ground, and he's got ants crawling all over him. It's like the ants are coming from everywhere and crawling on him. And uh, standing above him is this uh, Sir Ivory Honeyshot. I remember him. Yeah, he was one of the um, one of the uh, characters that uh, kind of got together to start forming this sort of senate of the of the nine realms and he is standing above this guy and he is questioning him as this guy is being swarmed over by ants and the dark elf is going Garg! and honey honey shot is saying 
I'm going to need more than just screams. I need answers. Please get them off. They're biting, says the dark elf. The ants of the caramelized forest can smell a single grain of sugar from a mile away, and once they've got the scent, they'll eat through anything to get at that sweetness. Through wood, through rock, through flesh and bone. Shall I feed you another custard roll? Malekith! Malekith will kill me! Not if there's nothing left of you, he won't. This is no way for a dark elf to die! You should have thought of that before you invaded my realm. Now answer my question. Where is she? Where is my queen? And we get a close-up of the uh, the dark elf. And he, I mean, there's a lot of ants. I mean, a shitload of ants. Anyway, they used magic. Malekith and the Enchantress. They brainwashed the light elf queen. Tricked her into marrying Malekith. He keeps her in the castle at Yoselfgard. Locked in her own dungeon. Please... They're biting my eyes. Damn your eyes, says Honeyshot, and he thrusts this uh, custard roll thing into the elf's mouth, and he's going, and uh, he kind of looks away, and you hear, coming from the uh, the dark elf. And there's, I guess, a pixie or fairy butterfly, I guess, and uh, Honeyshot is talking to it. He says, fly to the mountains of Nidaveller, little one. Take word to the dwarf known as Screwbeard. Tell him all is not lost in the land of the elves. Not while Sir Ivory Honeyshot yet lives. Tell him I've been fighting a one-elf guerrilla war against these bastard invaders. But what I must do next, I cannot do alone. Tell Screwbeard the time has come. Time for the League of Realms to rise again. Before it's too late for us all. And the butterfly goes flying off, and you can see Alfheim has been kind of wrecked. There's like burning villages and that kind of thing. So, yeah, very consistent with the war that's been going on. And we finally reach the splash page where we have a little bit of a, you know, summary as we often have of the story. As the War of the Realms wages on, the agents of Alfheim work tirelessly to retake their realm for Malekith and his dark elf forces. Meanwhile, after revealing his ultimate plan of taking the resources to all ten realms for himself, Roxxon CEO Dario Agar was kidnapped by two of his business rivals, Silver Samurai and the Exterminatrix. With S.H.I.E.L.D. watching closely over Jane in an attempt to link her with Thor, Agent Roz Solomon helps Jane escape their grasp. Then she and Thor continue with their search for Agar. The story is titled The Battle of Rocks on Island. Jason Aaron was the writer. Russell Dodderman was the artist. Matthew Wilson was the colorist. VC's Joe Sabino did the lettering and production. Cover artist is Russell Dodderman and Matthew Wilson, as we know. Uh, Charles Beecham is the assistant editor. Will Moss is the editor. Tom Brevoort is the executive editor. Axel Alonzo is the editor-in-chief. Joe Casada was the chief creative officer. Dan Buckley is the publisher. And Alan Fine is the executive producer. Thor was created by Stan Lee, Larry Lieber, and Jack Kirby. Not necessarily in that order. We open up the story. We are in Midgard. It says Roxxon Island, somewhere in the skies above Manhattan. I think it's pretty clear where they are in the sky because you can definitely see it from the ground. And there's uh, all these engines underneath it. I guess they're keeping it aloft. There's a, uh, I guess, a supervisor, and he's talking to, looks like, five people. Looks like three women, uh, 
yeah, three women and two men, kind of varied um, complexions and ethnicities, that kind of thing. And he says, uh, congratulations. As of five minutes ago, you all received a raise. Now all you have to do is survive long enough to earn it. Welcome to active duty, men and women of Strike Force Berserker. And Berserker is spelled out like a, uh, an acronym, but it doesn't actually say what the acronym is for. Maybe we'll find out. Um, I'm hoping it's really, really silly. Anyway, uh, he's saying, um, earlier today, our esteemed CEO, Dario Agar, was kidnapped. His life and our company's stock price now rests in your hands. Our targets have been identified as Shingen Harada, the Silver Samurai, head of Yashida Industries, and Ubliet Midas, the Exterminatrix, head of the Midas Foundation. In other words, corporate warfare has been declared. Apparently, these people are working under the misconception that they can spit in our faces and get away with it. But we are not Alchemax, ladies and gentlemen. We are not those weak-kneed pencil pushers over at Oscorp or Stain International. We are rocks fucking run. And if God Almighty ever dared spit in our direction, there'd be blood in heaven by the Sabbath. So you're going to go find the man who signs our paychecks and bring him back where he belongs. And you will scour the damn earth if you have to. You will not rest until you've tracked these chicken-hearted kidnappers to their dark little hidey holes and showed them exactly what it means to mess with. And there's a loud blamming, and it looks like um, blood spots, and this guy is dead. Uh, he's been shot, and we see who did it. It is Ubliet Midas, and she is accompanied by the Silver Samurai, mentioned prior, and chained up next to them. Uh, on a uh, kind of a fetish, uh, <laughs> a fetish restraint uh, is uh, Dario Agar himself, and yeah, so uh, they and behind them they have a, these uh, mindless ones like we saw last time uh, that somehow they got from some Doctor Strange realm, and they're just kind of following uh, the exterminatrix around, and she says, "Which way, Dario? I will have you skinned and made into a belt," says Dario. Not just yet, you won't. Should I, says Silver Samurai. Oh, they're not worth your time, Shingen, dear. Mindless ones, go be mindless. And they uh, step out of the way, and the two mindless ones come bursting through the door, and they are going to attack the um, these berserkers. And the, the berserkers are just kind of standing there. They don't seem very afraid. And they say... Uh, one of, one of the, uh, I guess she's the leader, looks like a woman who is either Asian or Hispanic. It's hard to tell. Uh, she says, don't worry, Mr. Agar, we're ready to earn our pay. Aren't we berserkers? And uh, the big, the big guy is um, kind of Luke Cagey, kind of big and bald and, and African-American. And he goes, you bet. And they start to uh, fight each other. Uh, which is very interesting. And the mindless ones just kind of stand there and they're like, Err? and uh, the Silver Samurai and, and the rest is like uh, just watching. And Ubliet says, I don't even know what to say. And Agar's like, you can start with, please kill me before you flay my face, Mr. Agar, sir. 
And it turns out that beating each other up is the way to get these people activated. They get all angry, and they are starting to transform. Now, you remember Bodolf the Bold, who was kind of this Gray Hulk thing because he drank the dragon blood. That's what's happening here. So they're all turning into this sort of Gray Hulks with these weird tattoos all over them. And they're going like, don't worry, big fellas. We're just getting warmed up for you. So angry. Just want to. And so we have like uh, five of these uh, big hulky things. And they are attacking the mindless ones. And the mindless ones are shooting the rays out of their eyes. And um, kind of everybody is fighting. And one of them is like, Roxxon's strongest company there is. Roxxon smash. And we got a full page here of the mindless ones fighting these berserkers. And uh, Ubliet is guiding uh, Dario Agar away. And uh, she says, you have your own hulks. Remind me to ask you where you got those right after we finished emptying your vault. Let's go. And um, they go off towards, uh, looks like a bank of elevators here in in this giant lobby. And uh, we then switch scenes and we have, I believe it's Roz Solomon's red shield car uh, arriving at Roxxon headquarters. And they arrive there. And of course, the airplane, uh, Ubliette Midas's solid gold airplane is outside. And Roz is like, a solid gold plane means Ubliette Midas. Should I know of this person? Says Thor. You might have heard of her dad. They say his touch turned things to gold. Supposedly, she kept a few pieces of him when he died. Gold is no match for Uru. This I swear, says Thor. We have to get our hands on Agar. It's the only way to stop the Agar imperative and save all of... And uh, the car crashes through the wall. And there's a, a collision alert as they run into one of the mindless ones with the car. And they get out of the car, and uh, we have a very weird shot here of <laughs> of Ross Solomon looking like her head is, is blown up like a balloon. Maybe we'll address that later, and maybe we won't. Uh, and Thor is standing on top of the car, whipping a hammer around, and Roz is like, Hi, you're all under arrest for uh, being whatever it is you are. Which way did Dario Agar go? Thor wades in, and uh, she's, she's fighting the, uh, the hulky guys along with the mindless ones. And Roz is uh, kind of looking back. She says, so it looks like you've got this under control. Go, find Agar, says Thor. And uh, she goes running off. Roz is running down a hallway, and there's all these TV screens down the hallway, and all of them have uh, Dario Agar on the screen. And there's a recording. It says, um, this is your CEO, Dario Agar. The Agar Imperative has officially been implemented, which means you're all about to die. Feel free to take the rest of the day off. And <laughs> says, consider that my parting gift to you. That and the unstoppable fail-safe program that is soon going to slam this floating headquarters into the earth with all the force of the meteor that ended the dinosaurs. Die well, my employees. Die proud. And yeah, so... The exterminatrix and silver samurai are still ushering Dario through the headquarters. And they're hearing this. And and the recording continues. Die knowing that if Roxxon can't have this world, no one will. And Dario Agar is saying, I'm the only one who can stop that. If you want to live, we need to make a deal. Why would I want to stop it? Roxxon destroys New York City. Going to be tough to explain your way out of that one. 
especially when you're dead, and even worse, completely broke. Shingen, and they've arrived at the vault, and Silver Samurai is trying to open up the vault, and he says, um, It's the most sophisticated vault I've ever seen. If I don't have it open in two minutes, I'll commit seppuku. And he gets to work on that, and Oubliette is uh, kind of uh, taunting Agar here. Or maybe Daria would like to finish giving me the combination. I think I've got another syringe around here. Some, And there's a uh, voice coming from behind. Hey, you in the gimp mask. And, of course, it's Agent Solomon. Agent Solomon of S.H.I.E.L.D. Look, I understand the desire to kill him. Really, I do. But not if he's going to take it all of New York City with him. Let Agar go. Well, look at you. Aren't you adorable, says Midas. S.H.I.E.L.D. truly is the gift that keeps on giving. No matter how many of their agents you murder, they just keep making more of them. And our Agar is like, uh, For God's sake, stop talking and shoot each other, please. Hand him over, Oubliette, and I'll probably only shoot you a little bit. Oubliette is like, Get your own hipster minotaur, lady. This one's mine. And uh, she starts shooting bullets at her with her gold gun. So they're having this little gunfight here in the hallway. And Solomon is like, Attention! This is Agent Solomon. I've got multiple hostels on Roxon Island. Where's my damn backup? And a voice comes over the radio. Look out the window, Agent Solomon. Your backup has already arrived. And we have the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier that seems to be uh, arriving on the scene. And we have uh, these two S.H.I.E.L.D. agents that were questioning Jane before. They're kind of in the foreground here. And uh, Roz is like, It's about time. Thor needs help in the main hallway, and Midas has me pinned down in the... Right. Where did you say Thor was again? And this is the uh, yeah the, the black lady who was uh, part of this uh, team that was questioning Jane. And we see uh, Thor crushing one of the Hulk's faces into the ground and going, Rargh! And uh, so we have uh, the agents appearing on the scene where all the Hulks and, and Thor are fighting. And they have a cell phone in a baggie, and they're uh, going up to Thor <laughs> during this fight. And uh, we see the various Hulks are kind of scattered around, and they look like they're being beaten. And uh, we have the, the mindless ones kind of laying around, too, so... Uh, but Thor is still standing, so apparently she is winning. Uh, but anyway, the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents just kind of come waltzing in, and uh, the good guy says, 239. That's how many texts we found on this phone, says the other S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Text between you and a certain Sam Wilson, also known as also known as Captain America. Some of the texts were of a rather, let's say, unseemly nature. Quite unseemly. Thor does not have a phone or time to waste. She doesn't, huh? Right, maybe she doesn't. But Jane Foster sure does. It's on her phone. We took it from her room in Asgardia. Some techs from Roxanne were more than happy to help us hack into it. So, Thor, why do you think Jane Foster is getting texts from Captain America? Why do you think she's lying about having cancer? Lying, says Thor. Why don't you take off your helmet and tell us all about it? Take off the helmet, Jane Foster. And drop the hammer. You're coming with us. You're going to answer our questions whether you like it or not. And it looks like, uh, yeah, I guess Thor has the uh, 
fight under control for the most part. But anyway, uh, she pulls her hammer out and she says, to hell with your questions. And uh, hell is spelled in, of course, the Nordic way. And there's lightning all shooting out of the hammer, and big old lightning storm going on. And uh, uh, Thor commands the hammer. She says, hold them off, Mjolnir. I'll call when I need you. And she goes walking off, and the hammer is kind of floating in the air, shooting off all this lightning. <laughs> and people are shouting, shoot the stupid hammer, shoot it. Because shooting a hammer is going to do a lot of good. Uh, speaking of shooting, we are now back in the hallway where Ubliet Midas is having a gunfight here with Roz Solomon. And Roz has been hit in the shoulder by one of the bullets, and she goes, Gah! And Midas says, you were not at all worth the cost of the golden bullets is taking to murder you, Agent Solomon. Sorry, I'm keeping this one. Gonna pay off my student loans. How about I trade you for it? And she's shooting back. And at that point, the Silver Samurai has opened the vault. And uh, Samurai says, Vault's open, so who do I need to kill? And he, he approaches uh, Dario Agar, who is kind of kind of cascading energy around him and he says Aga you're not really any good to us anymore are you so how about I and he notices that Agar is beginning to transform and he's like you didn't happen to overload your color did you because that would be and uh, all of a sudden Agar transforms completely into Minotaur form and he's going and he bursts out of the uh, the bonds that he's in. And yeah, he looks like he's uh, charging after Oubliette here. And uh, it looks like the Silver Samurai has got knocked back into the wall and is stunned for the moment at least. And he's running towards Oubliette and he's saying, Oubliette, I'm going to guard you like a rodeo clown, little girl. Aw, oh, dang. And then uh, a voice comes from the uh, background. I have a better idea. And lightning just shoots out and takes over both of them. It's kind of uh, just lightning striking everywhere. And they're going, ah! and uh, Thor is there. And Ra's Solomon is also there. Thor was firing the, uh, the lightning out of her own hands. And uh, she's, uh, she, her eyes are all glowing and she's got you know, her hair's all blowing around. And uh, she says, why don't you both stay down? And Oubliette uh, is not very uh, impressed, and she gets her gun out, and she's shooting her golden bullets at Thor. And, um, and she says, Yeah, I'm not so much for kneeling, no matter the god. Your bullets cannot harm me, exterminatrix. What do I care, she says. I'm not a Thor villain. And a bullet with a drop of my dead father's blood frozen inside, it can hurt anyone. Say goodnight, Dario. And she looks like she's going to uh, shoot Dario. And um, Roz is like, no, she can't kill Agar. And Midas says, she just did. And it goes blam. And we see the um, uh, bullet going right towards the middle of uh, Dario Agar's head. And uh, it's stopped by Thor. Thor grabs the bullet out of midair. And... Um, she says, uh, kill one another on the morrow if you like, but right now we have a city to save, and the only one who can save it is, and she goes, gag, and falls down, and Roz is like, Thor, 
And we can see that the, uh, the bullet has penetrated Thor's skin. And she is starting to turn into gold. And Ross is like, what did you do to her? My father's touch turns all things to gold, even to the touch of his hyper-irradiated blood. She'll make a nice shiny statue. And you'll make a nice wallet once I'm through with, uh, as Minotaur says. And they're interrupted, and it's a bunch of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents come pouring out of the woodwork, and uh, they're saying, uh, All right, everybody, up against the wall. You too, Solomon. Curdle and Krill, what the hell? You're all under arrest. We'll figure out the charges later. Assume the position, all of you. Thor is dying, you idiot, says Solomon. This island is about to drop into Manhattan like the world's biggest... Dying, huh? Probably just faking, just like the cancer. Get up, Jane. You're not fooling anyone. This little charade of yours is about to... And as he says that, a glow comes from behind, and we got this sort of rainbow energy coming around, and uh, sealed agents are like, uh, what in the world? And Solomon looks back, and she says, uh, that's the rainbow bridge, but who's... And we have a full page here, and we see Thor, and she's on the ground. She's beginning to turn to gold because of this bullet. And coming out of this rainbow bridge... It's Jane Foster, and uh, looking very, very thin, and, and yeah, lots of cancer. And uh, she steps through the gate, and she says, Please, I come in peace. I'm Dr. Jane Foster, and I'm here to help. To be continued, and that is the Mighty Thor number 10, and we'll be talking a little bit about this right after this message. The Fantastic Arse is your guide to the Fantastic Four from the beginning of the Marvel Age of Comics in 1961 onwards. Each week, Steve Lacey and Andy Leyland cover every issue, spin-off, guest appearance and cameo, and more. And in 2015, we begin our journey through the decade that taste forgot, the 1970s. Join us as we take a look at... The departure of Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. The Kree Skrull War. The arrival of Marvel Team Up. Bill Murray as the Human Torch. Creators including Roy Thomas, George Perez, Marv Wolfman, Jerry Conway, Rich Buckler, and John Byrne. And of course, Marvel 2 in 1. All this and more at ffcast.libsyn.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. The Fantastic Cast. Insert catchy tagline here. Wait, what? Anybody remember not so long ago when this book was kind of dull and there were just these endless conversations between Malekith and Dario Agar? <laughs> you know, I have often criticized Jason Aaron for flogging a dead horse and just for dragging these storylines on and on, but that sure hasn't been the case for the last couple of issues, has it? No, these issues have been really good. They've been really tightly scripted. The, the patter is kind of snappy. We got kind of back and forth dialogue, boom, 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 boom. It makes it a lot of fun to read if you're reading it. It kind of is a pain in the ass if you're kind of reading it out loud and trying to act it out. But I, I have to say that 
I, I really am enjoying this part of the story where we actually have a bit of movement going on. We actually have something happening, and that's just, it's good. And I think that that's where Jason Aaron really excels is in making these stories really pop. And right now, they're popping like hell. I mean, it really is a really good story. Uh, you know, one thing is, is following logically from the next. You know, can't say enough good things about the story structure. Jason Aaron, for, for whatever faults he's had and, and whatever we've made fun of about him in the past, is capable of telling an amazing story. And, and we're getting a really interesting story here. You know, when I started covering this girl Thor stuff, I didn't expect to like it this much. Um, you know, and I still am kind of cold on this whole concept, but I will say what they're doing with it, it's been well told. And I think the, 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 the I have to give him credit where the credit is due. The story right now is actually pretty good. Uh, again, we have Russell Donnerman on the art. His artwork is great. We, you know, there's some wonkiness here and there, but you know what? We had that with, with Isad Rebic and with the other people too. You know, there, there's just not, uh, you know, any penciler, I think, who's perfect all the time. I think the Dowderman is doing a great job here. I think that uh, he's really found, I think, his, his niche as far as the art goes. Be interesting to see where this goes. He stayed on the book longer than most people. And I think that uh, this title is, is better off for all of that. I think that that's, uh, you know, that's a good thing that, that Dowderman has decided really to stay in for the long haul by modern standards. I mean, you know, I think gone are the days where you had a single artist who would stay with a book for 100 issues, except for those who are doing their own book as the writer and the artist. And I think that uh, you know, that's the exception now rather than the rule. But uh, yeah, I think the Dowderman's art is, is great as always. Um, there's a couple wonky things. Um, I already mentioned one of them in passing, and that is that uh, we get some panels here of Roz Solomon during the fight, and her head is looking too big for her body. It's uh, almost like a, you know, a bobblehead sort of situation where or she looks very childish, um, you know, like, like a, a little kid. And I, I think that some of that is the, the manga influence that, that Dowderman obviously has in his art. And the, let's, let's not be uh, unfair to Dowderman. I think that the, the manga influence in his art generally plays towards its credit. Uh, and, and the manga influence generally is a good thing. Uh, but occasionally you'll get something really wonky like this. Again, it's a nitpick. I'm loving Dowderman's art in here. And, of course, uh, Matthew Wilson on colors is, is doing an amazing job. Um, this issue is not the most colorful one for, for uh, Matthew Wilson. But you know what? That's okay. Not every story has to be. We do get some scenes on Alfheim that are, that are pretty colorful. I have not lost faith in, in Matthew Wilson. I think he's doing a great job on the coloring as well. All right, so I don't have a whole lot else to say about the issue, so I'm going to wrap it up. Hey, thanks for listening, folks. I really do appreciate it. And if you want to uh, email us, you can do so. The email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. You can also join us over on the Facebooks. Just follow Radio Free Asgard over on Facebook. And, yeah, join the group and you know, join in the conversations over there. All right, and with that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard. And we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, 
and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard. <laughs>